Thank you for listening to this talk, produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Good afternoon. AGSA Ghana Yatangi Yuanthi. AGSA stands on Ghana land, and I'd like to acknowledge the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains and pay my respect to Elders past, present and emerging for sharing this wonderful country with us here in Adelaide. We're very lucky to be here and very safe. Thank you all for um, keeping your COVID spacing and wearing your masks. It's wonderful to see you all. And I think we're all very lucky to be able to come in and come to events here at AXA and still enjoy and celebrate our wonderful artistic world here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Tansy Curtin. I'm the curator of international art pre-1980. So I get to work with these amazing works in this beautiful space in Melrose Wing. And I'm surrounded by these all the time, so I feel very privileged to be part of this incredible gallery. Today I'm actually going to talk to you about this wonderful painting here. And I'm sorry that you're all spread so far, but these are the rules. And of course, you're welcome to come up and look a little closer after I've spoken. And I'm happy to answer any questions you might have afterwards as well. This is an incredible painting by Pietro Negri, is a wonderful Italian Baroque artist. This is not in the collection of the Art Gallery of South Australia, but it's actually on loan to us and is on loan to us for another six months from a private collection here in Adelaide. And so today I'm going to tell you a little bit about the painting, about the artist, about the Baroque, but also about the incredible history and narrative that surrounds this painting getting to us here in Adelaide in 2021, because it is an exciting and dramatic story. I wouldn't be surprised if you'd never heard of Pietro Negri, not probably a household name for all of us. Uh, he was born in Venice in 1628, thought to be the son of Domenico Negri, a sculptor, an artist himself, although there's, there has been some conflicting evidence about exactly who his family was, because of course this was not a period of great record keeping. Like so many of his contemporaries and so many works in our collection, the work is unsigned and in fact was only recently reattributed to Pietro Negri, but has been very much confidently reattributed to him in the last two years. It was actually previously thought to be by an artist, Francesco Rucci, and in fact on the, on the back of the painting there is that his name is written on the back, so at one point it was assumed that it was by Rucci who was a contemporary of Negri and very much operated in the same artistic style. He was painting in the tradition of what we know today as the Baroque style, which of course is closely associated with the Catholic Counter-Reformation, a period in which the Catholic Church was sort of reinventing and returning to this idea of, of sort of highly realistic works of art and uh, grand dramatic narratives, both religious and of course mythological, which we see in this work here. It originated in Rome, but as I mentioned, Negri was working in Venice during that period, and of course, the Baroque was really known right around that part of Europe. We couldn't think of all the different artists in different regions. Interestingly, the term Baroque was actually initially uh, coined as a derogatory phrase or name, perceived about the sort of excessive emotion of this artistic period. And it was only really in the 19th century when a German art historian sort of reclaimed the Baroque as, a, as an important artistic style. And the term, the Baroque, was actually became much more fashionable. And of course, we don't see it in a derogative way at all today. While Negri might not be a name you know well, there'll be certainly many artists of the Baroque that you will know very well. Of course, Caravaggio being the most famous. Um, 
But another one who's really been in the news quite recently, and you might have seen a wonderful exhibition that they did last year, which you would have only seen online, of course, uh, the work of Artemisia Gentileschi, who's recently been reclaimed. A lot of her work was previously actually attributed to her father, and we've now done a lot of research into Artemisia Gentileschi, who you'd know for her very famous painting, Judith with the Head of Holophanes, very kind of graphic, emotive work. But of course, uh, Gentileschi now, the younger, the daughter, has actually been reclaimed as sort of the more significant of the artists and really firmly placing women in this period of incredible artistic output. And of course, looking at this work and the other two adjacent here, which are also very much part of the Baroque tradition, we can see that idea of this heightened emotional experience. We've got great sense of light and dark, great sense of colour as well. And you'll notice that there's very similar colouring throughout these works, that wonderful rich red burgundy, that deep blue, the, the beautiful skin tones, that sort of um, translucent skin as well. And you also start to see the hint of um, mannerism, which was sort of the late Baroque period with this exceptional rendering of the musculature and body form of some of these figures as well, very typical of that Baroque period. What we know of Negri, though, is slightly different from the other Baroque artists. He's sort of known as being part of the Tenebrosi, which is known as the Dark Baroque. And they're very dark paintings. There's a great deal of depth and um, depth of colour and depth of form. What's lovely in this space, of course, is we've got quite a lot of natural light, which is not too bad for the paintings, not great for other works in our collection, but it gives you a sense of getting a real sense of depth in this painting. In a dark space, this work is very hard to read. It's very difficult to, to understand what's happening. But when you have a moment after this talk, I would encourage you to get a little closer, not too close, of course, to have a look at the wonderful depth and the colour and the form that Negri has captured in this incredible painting. And of course, do now that we've talked a little bit about Baroque, do look at these other two incredible works here. One of the largest works in our collection, of course, beautiful riches of the sea, and gives you, a real, a, again, a sense of that complexity of the Baroque period, the, the sense of storytelling, narrative, and of course, emotional experience that you'll really see across these three works in this corner. A really nice kind of um, difference with what's happening in the rest of the gallery as well. So, what about the story? Who is this? Well, I think you probably all know who this is. This is the wonderful Narcissus. And of course, this story we know so well, the story of Narcissus, and there are differing versions of the story of Narcissus. Perhaps the classic story is the story of Ovid. And so, Narcissus is the son of Liriope and Cephasus. He was an ancient Greek warrior who was so beautiful that Echo, a mountain nymph, fell deeply in love the moment she saw him. Echo was spurned by Narcissus and was so heartbroken that she remained alone in the glens until all that remained was the echo of her voice. Very romantic story, of course. Nemesis, goddess of retribution, witnessed Narcissus' behaviour and decided to punish him. He was lured by Nemesis to a pond to drink. But of course, when he leant down to drink, he saw a reflection of someone so beautiful that he himself fell immediately in love with himself. So, of course, he fell deeply in love with himself, reflected in the pool. And here's where the stories start to differ. 
In Ovid's telling of the story of Narcissus, Narcissus is so enraptured by himself that he just melts away, the passion melts him away and he disappears into the bank of the pond or the river. Other stories talk about Narcissus deliberately committing suicide, taking his own life because he knows that he can never have that love requited by himself. But of course the best part of the story, and myself being named after a flower, I always love a flower story, the best part of the story is of course that this is where the name for the Narcissus comes from, or the daffodil as we more commonly know them. So where Narcissus himself died, a small, delicate, golden yellow flower sprung up on the bank of the, of the water. And this, of course, is where we get the wonderful Narcissus flower from. So it's a lovely, beautiful, romantic story. And that's why I wore my flower boots today, because, uh, you know, I do love a good flower story. <laughs> so when you have a chance to have a look, I'll just focus a little bit on the, the, the work of art itself so that you can come up a little later and have a look at some of the elements that I think are really outstanding in this painting. Have a look at Narcissus's incredible hand here and particularly pay attention to the reflection of his fingers in the pool here, beautifully handled. And you don't really notice it until you get this wonderful light on it. Also have a look at the handling of the fabric and the textures in the surfaces, particularly up in the sky. Look at how loose that paintwork is. I mean, it's, it's so abstract in a way at a time when we're looking at sort of hyper-realism in painting. So it's really interesting to have a look at it. And definitely just spend some time contemplating the work. One of the most interesting parts of the story of this painting is where it's been and how it got here. This is a story that we've been privileged enough to be part of at the Art Gallery of South Australia. This work came from the collection of Ben O'Corner, who, who lived in a town called Ostrava, which is in the northeast of what is now known as the Czech Republic, but of course was Czechoslovakia. The Corner family were well known in Ostrava, and this is from the late 19th and early 20th century. He was a successful engineer in Ostrava, and it was a town known for its steel manufacturing. And in fact, the Rothschild family, a very well-known family name, of course, had a very large steel manufacturing and mining industry business there. He and other members of his extended family were also interested in arts and culture and associated with many artists in the town of Ostrava and further afield in other towns around Czechoslovakia at the time. On the 15th of March in 1939, when Nazi Germany annexed the Moravian region of Czechoslovakia, the Corner family were away in Montreux in Switzerland and being Jewish made the difficult decision not to return to their home. The first deportations of Jews from Ostrava began in October 1939, so I think it was a very sensible choice. In total, approximately 8,000 Jews from the region were murdered during the Holocaust. Benno and his wife Ilka and their children ended up in Sydney after travelling through Switzerland and then France, ended up resettling in Sydney and lived in a house in Vaucluse, of course a beautiful part of Sydney. And immediately following the end of the war, Benno wrote to the Czech government for the return of, of his collection, but unfortunately to no avail. So there's records on file in the Czech Republic from 1946, and Benno wrote to the government asking for the return of his collection and listing all of the works in his collection. Benno died in Sydney in 1959,
But earlier this year, the painting was finally, this painting here, was finally restituted to his heirs with the help of a corporation called Mondex Corporation, which is an organisation that specialises in the restitution of art and money and goods to families during the, who experienced this loss during the Nazi-era regime. The painting, interestingly enough, was discovered in an art museum in Ostrava, not far from where the Corner family had actually lived. But there is a, a, a big gap in the provenance details for the painting. From 1939 to the 1970s, we don't know where it was. It, it ended up in the, the art museum in Ostrava in the late 1970s, early 1980s, but there, unfortunately there's lacking in records in that period. So this wonderful painting has been restituted to the family after nearly 80 years away. And unfortunately, of course, Benno Corner never got to see this painting returned to the family. And in fact, his, new, his children never saw it. But his grandchildren and great-grandchildren have seen this work returned to the family. And it's been a very a powerful experience for the family um, to have this work returned. It's been a, quite a mythical work within the family's collection because it was talked about so much but never seen and never known. And so it's really lovely to actually have this work back in the family collection and it's very generous of them to lend it to us here. You might say, why, why is it here and why is it on display in AXA? Well, we actually helped the family uh, with some of the complexities of the international um, negotiations of bringing it into, back into Australia or into Australia. Um, obviously, we are very experienced in that, and so we assisted them with some of those international negotiations. And, of course, the family wanted to thank us by being able to share it with a wider audience here. The first time that they've seen it ever. Of course, this is only one of many works that were in the family's collection when everything was seized in 1939, but it is a really good start and a really incredible story for us here at AGSA. And this sort of leads me into a little bit about what I also do as a curator here and why this story is so fascinating, but also why it's imp so important for us in our collection. This is what we call, of course, called provenance history, the story of a work, how it got here, where it's come from, and, and I guess it's, its sort of journey throughout its life. We know the story of this work, not all of it, but some of it, and we know that it was, in fact, Nazi-era war loot. We ourselves here at the Art Gallery of South Australia have a list of works, uh, a very dynamic list of works that's changing and developing uh, as we find more information. So we have a number of works that we don't have complete provenance for over that Nazi era, and obviously earlier as well, but that's a very important era, of course, for provenance research because we know so much artwork was taken and so many objects were taken. So we do have this dynamic list. And part of my job as a curator of international art is continually looking at this list, assessing it, seeing if we can find more information. Obviously, technology is changing so quickly. We have incredible access to information online, data that wasn't, certainly wasn't available 10, 20, 30 years ago. So provenance is such a living research project for me and for other curators here at the gallery. So it's quite, it's quite fascinating. It's very easy to get sort of trapped down these wonderful rabbit holes of, of genealogical research and archival research. But it also helps us tell a story about 
where our paintings come from and its connection to us and to others as well. But also how important those stories are and how they form part of the history of an artwork too and how we can actually put together these wonderful narratives around these works in our collection. So it is, it is certainly something that we are continually doing with our collection. And I think this is a really wonderful story of how to illustrate how this can come back and how we can actually, I guess, restitute and respect that history that's been and gone, but also change the future and bring these works back into those collections and back into those family histories. Now, I'm sure some of you have probably heard of the Monuments Men, who did a, a lot of incredible work um, just post the Second World War in bringing works back, and they did a wonderful film about that story recently, well, a few years ago now, about this incredible group of curators, directors, and those in the artistic world to actually restitute works, to reclaim works, and bring them back to their rightful place. So it's still something that, you know, 80 years on, we're still talking about in our collection. And we're still talking about trying to restitute these works. But over and above all of that, what's so incredible is that this work has made it to us here in Australia, has come all the way from Ostrava and possibly somewhere else in between, and has been able to be uh, reunited with its family, but also to be shared in a wider audience. And of course, that's what we're all about with our collection. So in a moment, I'm happy to answer any questions you might have, but I would really love to encourage you to actually, of course, look at the work of art, engage with the painting. You might notice, of course, that interestingly enough, that the canvas has quite a strong seam down the middle. That's part of the actual construction of the canvas because a few people have asked me about that before. That's a lot of canvases have seams throughout them. Some of them better so than others, depending on who the craftsperson was. But I would really encourage you to look at this incredible Baroque painting. We don't have huge numbers of Baroque works in Australian collections, so we're very lucky to have this work on loan to us for a, a period to be able to engage with it and really connect with what was happening in the Italian Baroque at that time. So I'd love to answer any questions. Well, that's part of also our job as well. So making sure that um, if there is a gap, we find out why there's a gap. And that's why I guess sometimes we might not be able to find that information immediately, but we keep looking. And that's also part of our job as we acquire works. So we have a very stringent acquisition system and a policy here where having that provenance information from the outset is really crucial. And also part of our job as curators is that idea of connoisseurship. So there's two sort of sides. Is knowing an artist's work, knowing an artist's practice and oeuvre, and then also understanding the sort of, I guess, the provenance side and the scientific side. I mean, if you've ever watched that wonderful fake or fortune, <laughs> you know, that's, that's sort of essentially what we do a little bit without not quite as much glamour as Philip Mould has, but, you know, it is, it is essentially what we're doing as well. It is, I mean, it's a very commanding painting, isn't it? You know, it, it absolutely tells you to look at this work and to engage with it. So, you know, it's, it's quite an amazing piece. And I think they will really, it's not just about the work, it's so symbolic for people who've had so much taken away. And in fact, they're quite, I suppose, lucky, dare I say it, because they did get out when so many people did not. And it's, it's, a, it's a reminder that we, as human beings, must not forget this period in our history as well. We must remember so that it doesn't happen again.
It did come with that frame. I don't think it's original to the work. It's certainly not quite as grand as you would expect from a Baroque painting. It's probably an early 19th century painting. But yes, it certainly did come with that frame. It has had some conservation work prior to coming here. We did um, do some assessment on it. And of course, you, you know, we do things like UV lights with our art lab colleagues. And we could see areas that had been repaired and obviously had lifted paint over the time. But overall, it's an incredible condition considering its history and its story. Well, I think we might leave it at that. But as I said, I'm very happy if you'd like to come up. But please do have a really close look safe, close look at the work, um, because it is, it's being a dark Baroque painting. The depth creates so much sort of nuance and interest, but you can't, you know, can't view it from a very far distance to get that sense. And do look at that beautiful reflection in that pool and how incredible it is. And this story of, you know, it is a tale of um, drama and woe and so suitable to this wonderful dark painting period, this tenebrous period in Baroque painting history. So do have a look. It will be on loan to us for another six months, so you'll be able to pop back in and visit. Uh, but it is a really special work to have on display here. So thank you very much.